Why? Why go to Africa? Why give up everything? Why, God, why? That has got to be the question Sandra Horn was asking herself when she found a place that was totally foreign to her as her new home and incidentally had to return uh, for a season before going back and spending a cumulative eight years in Madagascar, where she still is today. This is a transformation that is very powerful in the sense that the person, the old, the person that Sandra was, and the new, the person that she is, are two totally different things. And there is no way anything or anyone but God could make this transformation happen. Sandra talks about changing the way she viewed life, changing her attitudes, changing her lust, changing her gambling, changing everything about herself and having no urges to go back to the old way. And in this transformation episode, you'll hear about an individual that has truly given her life to God, followed his path, the narrow road, which always has not been easy, but has really bared fruit for her ministry and what she's doing over there. This is a really special episode because it's so close to home. Uh, The things that you may struggle with, she may have struggled with, and the changes that you're trying to make, she is making them right here on the line. So listen, as I talk to Sandra Horn in this episode about how she went from being a probation officer on the West Coast to being a mission for Christ in Madagascar, you're listening to Transformation. Hey, uh, Sandra, are you there? Yes, I am. Okay, uh, good, good to talk to you again. Yeah, and we, praise God, we got power today. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that. Amen to that. How have you been? Good. How about you? I've been doing real well, and um, you know this um, this program is uh, a lot about personal testimony. So I just want to ask you to start. Can you tell me a little bit uh, about yourself before you came to know Christ? Well, before I came to know Christ, I was doing a lot of bad things. I was definitely living in the world. I was going to the bars on a regular basis. I was gambling. I was having sex outside of marriage. And enjoying every bit of it. Okay. Did did you, um, were you living alone? Were you, where were you? Give me some more details about your life. Okay, I was, I was living in Tucson, Arizona, and I was um, living alone. I, just before coming to know the Lord, I, um, had custody of my great nephew who was five years old at the time. Um, I had custody of him for five and a half years. 
and that settled me down a little bit um, when he came to live with me. But and how old were you prior at that time? to that? Um, I was already well into my adulthood. Um, I was in my thirties when I got custody of him. And like I said, I was definitely living in the world. Okay. And then because he was in, um, or when he went into first grade, I met one of his classmates father and he was a single father raising his daughter and we became good friends and started dating. And um, he invited me to come to his church. And I kind of was against church at that point because the church I had belonged to before that, I asked the pastor, I went up one Sunday, I waited till the very last person out of the church and I asked him if he had a couple of minutes to talk. And he said, my office hours are Monday through Friday, eight till five. You'll have to make an appointment. Right. And, and so, the church you went to before? Yeah, that was the church I, w- I went to before. And that just turned me off completely on church. So I kind of put this guy off and said, no, no, no. And we eventually stopped dating, but still were friends. And one Sunday morning, I got my nephew up and I said, let's go to church. And he said, Paula's church. That was the girl, the little girl in his class. And I said, yeah, let's go to her church. And he was, the guy was there with another girl that he had started dating already. And um, it was a little awkward, but we went in and sat down and went and listened to the sermon and everything. And it was a Baptist church. Previously, I had been Episcopal and brought up Episcopal, had gone to Episcopal churches um, when I moved cross country from Michigan to Arizona. So Baptist was quite a bit different from the Episcopal church. <laughs> and we went home and Tell I me asked. a little bit about that. It just the, the informality, the uh, enthusiasm, what was it? Yeah, it was um, the friendliness, the enthusiasm, the everybody wanting to greet you and um, you walked in and it didn't, I mean, when I was growing up in the Episcopal church, you walked in, you bowed your head uh, um, at the front, toward the front of the church, you moved into the pew and kneeled down and prayed and, and then you opened your prayer book and there was a ritual, you know, you followed the prayer book word for word. Everybody knew where everything was. And, and I walked in and people started shaking my hand. Hi, how are you? Welcome. And 
then we sang some songs which were a whole lot more lively than the the hymns that we sang at my previous church and people were clapping their hands and I was like oh wow this is different <laughs> and was then it, was it like a contemporary church um kind of contemporary they had um some worship songs um with a band and then they had some hymns that were sang with a choir so they had both <laughs> and that was really different to me right and um and then in between the um the worship songs and the hymns they had a greet a greet time and everybody didn't just turn around in their seats and shake somebody's hand they walked all over the the sanctuary and was shaking everybody's hand and giving hugs and i was a little uncomfortable <laughs> <laughs> okay so you're uncomfortable you're not saved at that point you are with your great nephew was it yes and you are um in this was it a large church or no about a hundred okay okay uh so you're in this church so how 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 do things progress do you feel let me ask you this before going to, to church that day did you feel um christ in your life at all did you did you pray did you have any kind of relationship or were you just totally against it? yes yes i was um I thought I was a Christian. I never knew what it was like to live my life for the Lord. But if you would have asked me, I would have said I was a Christian. I prayed. Um, I believed in God. But I wasn't, I couldn't, I wouldn't say that I was saved because I wasn't living for the Lord. Right. Okay. Got it. So you're there. And then what happens? So we go home after after the church's service is over, and the next day um, I went to work, took him to school, and came home from work and found a basket of cookies and brownies on my doorstep. Okay. And I'm like, what's this? And um, opened it up, and there was a card from the church saying we're so glad you visited us um we hope to see you again sometime okay <laughs> so i looked at my nephew feeling a little guilty because i thought when we came home i thought oh that was a one-time thing <laughs> and i said to him gosh i feel like we've got to go back next sunday after they did this and he said yeah and so the next week we went again. Okay, so the cookies and brownies worked. It worked. It did. Um, and I've told people that, you know, after that, I've like, you know, just that little touch of going out of the way, bringing to my house and putting on my doorstep really got me to come back a second time. A phone call would not have done that. Right. 
And 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 it wasn't like they mailed it. They they went to your door and dropped it off. Right. And homemade. So I know that somebody went out of their way to make homemade goodies. You know. Mm-hmm. And were there any strings attached? They want you to join at that point. They want you to nope. uh, give money or do something or just just we'd like you to hope to hope you come back. Hope you come back. Right. That was all they said. Nice to meet you yesterday. We hope to see you again. Hmm. Um, and I like that, that there was no strings attached. Yeah, that's right. But I felt like they went out of their way, so I was going to give them one more chance, you know. Okay. And that's an interesting point you bring up is that, you know, a lot of times our first impression may mislead us. Right. And so, something that may feel different or awkward at first may end up being something we really appreciate. Right. You know, um, and we went back and sat in the back, of course, three or four more weeks before I started moving up a little bit closer to the front. Okay. I, I think if they would have had seats in the doorway, I might have been that far back, you know? <laughs> right. Um, right. And there's nothing wrong with that. But as I felt more comfortable, I started moving a little bit more forward. Okay. And I don't know if it was a couple months later when they um, were talking about people being baptized. Right. And the first time he talked about, my pastor talked about it, I thought, well, I was baptized when I was born. Right. I don't need to get baptized again. And as he talked, I mean, because they started talking about it on this date, we're going to have a baptism. If there's anybody who wants to get baptized during that period, you know, come and speak to one of the deacons or myself and so after a couple of weeks of him announcing the date coming up I went and I said I think I'd like to get baptized again okay. and then he said are you a believer and I said well yeah I said I believe in you know Jesus Christ and um and I know that you know God is the God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Right. And so he said, okay, well, let's meet. He said, the deacons are meeting right after church. Can you take a couple of minutes and meet with them? And I said, sure. And so I met with them and told them what I thought they wanted to hear. Mm -hmm. And then... As the week approached for the baptism, they approved for me to get baptized and join the church, which is what I had asked to join the church, get baptized and join the church. Okay. And then I met with the pastor a couple days before the baptism. And he said, I just want to go over a few things with you and... Just make sure you're clear on what's gonna, what's going on, and what you're committing to, and stuff like that. 
And I said, okay. And then we started talking and he said, I know that, you know, you shared with us that you're a Christian. And he said, but would you mind praying the sinner's prayer with me? He said, I like to do this with all people before they get baptized. I don't know what the sinner's prayer is, but sure. And, um, and he gave me a little pamphlet and we prayed together. And two days later I got baptized and I don't know when my life started changing. I don't know if it was immediately, but within a short period, people started asking me what was different. Right. And when I got baptized, I said to myself, now I didn't say this to the pastor, but I said to myself, I said, you know, God, or I said, I guess I said it to God. I said, God, I can do almost everything you're asking, but I enjoy sex. And if I find somebody that I want to get into a relationship with, I'm going to continue to have sex. That's the one thing I can't abide with your rules for God. And I have to tell you, Clark, um, the funny thing is, I haven't been in a relationship since then, and that was in 97. Oh, my goodness. So that's all that, huh? <laughs> yeah, God said, okay, you can't do it on your own. I'll do it for you. Right, right. but then maybe did God take that, that uh, desire, that lust away? Yes, yes. Yeah, um... I don't know at what point I got to the point where my relationship with God is more was more important than any relationship with any man. And I knew for a fact that I would never again have sex outside of marriage. And I really didn't think I would ever get married. And I still, I'm at that point right now, too. I mean, I'm almost 60, so I really, I'm not saying it's impossible because anything's possible with God. But I'm not looking for a relationship because I have a relationship with my Heavenly Father. And was that preached to you or was it something where it just was, you know, you had prayed about it and, or, or did it just happen? I mean, I'm trying to find out before you were saying you had kind of a promiscuous lifestyle and then you get baptized all of a sudden you're not doing that. How did that occur? How did that, that come about? Um, it just happened. I think, um, nobody preached to me about it. Um, I did start reading the Bible and I knew that it displeased God to have sex outside of marriage. But that was, but I thought there are so many other things that 
so many other sins that everybody commits on a regular basis that God will let me go with just that one. Yeah. That I mean, truthfully, that was my thought process. Right. <laughs> when it changed, I don't know. Maybe it, it might have even been a year later before I realized, oh, I haven't been with any guys since I was baptized. Right. <laughs> I haven't felt the need to go out to the bars and picking up guys. Right. And, and that, that's another good point is maybe you stopped going to the bars as much. I did. So God has kind of put you in a safer place, a healthier place. Um, what yeah. else What else changed after being baptized and you start reading the Bible? Can, can you recall any other changes or what else was going on in your life? Well, before that, I don't know how familiar you are with Arizona, but it was like a six-hour drive to Las Vegas. Okay. And... I love to go to Vegas and I love to gamble. All right. And I said, um, I could never live in Vegas because I would be one of those bums living on the streets. Cause I would gamble away every cent I had. Okay. And I mean, <laughs> I loved, I love to gamble that much. Okay. And now my, when I go home, to the States and I'll go visit my family. Um, I'm Indian and my family likes to go to the casinos, the Indian casinos. They say we're supporting our tribe. I don't agree with that, but it, it's funny how I just really don't like it anymore. Yeah. I, I mean, if I lose $10, I'm like, Oh, what could I have done with that $10? <laughs> yeah. I know I'm not going to win. Why am I doing this? <laughs> wow. I love to play. I love to play games and stuff like that. But my attitude has changed about thinking that someday I'm going to win. Mm -hmm. And that it takes money to, to win money. Now it's like, I don't even want to take the chance of losing anything. Right. And let's talk a little bit about that because you ended up changing careers, right? Yes. I was in law enforcement. Um, I was a probation officer. And after I came to the, for a short term trip for the second time to Madagascar, I went home and retired. So I went from being an enforcer, um, kind of a bully, um, to loving everyone. Mm. And, but that changed before I came to the mission field. The, one time I had a probationer, I was interviewing, he was going to be going to prison um, for the second time. And I went in to interview him and he said to me, 
said, do you remember me? And I'm like, mm, no, I don't. He said, well, it was about 10 years ago. He said, you were my surveillance officer. I said, oh. He said, you weren't very nice. And I said, oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry about that. And he said, but you're so different now. He said, what is it? And I I don't know. I'm still the same person. Now I'm a PO instead of an SO. And he said, no, that's not it. He said, never mind. He said, I know what it is. And I said, oh, you want to enlighten me? And he said, you're a Christian now. You found Christ, didn't you? And I said, well, what makes you say that? And he said, because I am too, he said, and I can see it in you. Oh. And he said, I know I'm going to prison. He said, I, I've got to pay the consequences for the things I did. He said, but since I committed this last crime, I've found Christ. He said, and I'm so happy you have found him before you end up where I am. And that hit me hard. I mean, I was like, okay, my family can say they've seen a difference in me. And of course, my family told me I was a Bible thumper. Yeah. And, and what was this cult doing to me? And I mean, they didn't want to see me. Were they, uh, were they Christian or were they like uh, being Native American? Did they have a different belief system? No. They, they, we were all brought up in the Episcopal Church. Okay. Uh, and, but their view on religion was you go to church on Sunday and if you can't make it on Sunday, you at least go on Easter and Christmas. And that was, I mean, they asked, the church asks you to pledge. So you pledge $2 a week so that it's something you can afford. And um, that's their view on, on religion. Right. And. So you appear to be extreme to them. Oh, I really extreme. One of my sisters who had moved to Arizona after I did came to came to Christ and came to the church and got baptized. She is a recovering drug addict. She's been clean for 15 years, but she's, I don't see the fruit where the Bible tells us we'll see the fruit. So all I can do is leave that up to Christ and, uh, you know, up to God and God will decide whether she was sincere or not. Right. But, and then uh, my oldest sister has now changed churches and has a good relationship with the Lord. Okay. So 
you come from this background where people are looking at you a little differently. Uh, you're a probation officer. You are um, changing. How do you go from that position that you were at then to now being in Madagascar doing full-time mission work? You know, the Lord spoke through me. And I. this is the only time I can say that this actually happened that I am aware of. But I was sitting with friends and we were talking about what we were going to do when we retired. Mm-hmm. And out of my mouth came... I'm going to be a missionary. At that point, I had not thought of ever being a missionary. I thought I was going to be a travel agent. Right. I was going to travel the world after I retired from probation. Well, I'm traveling the world, but as an agent for God instead of an agent um, for people. So you just basically proclaimed it. Yeah. And, and, it, and it happened. It happened. How long after your retirement did you end up moving to Madagascar? Oh, after I retired, I was here within five months. Wow. And you've been there for how many years? Um, about eight and a half going on nine. That's incredible. So yeah. it's safe to say <laughs> without that transformation, you would have never ended up in Africa as a mission. I don't know if I would have ever have even visited anywhere in Africa. Right. Um, I just, no, without the transformation, I would not. I probably would still be working. I probably would still be maybe even in probation still. And what, because go ahead. I was able to retire when I turned 50. Right. And, and for those listening uh, that, that haven't heard our previous interview, what is it that you do in Madagascar in terms of your mission work? I work in the office. Um, I'm the office facilitator, and the I do the bookkeeping for our mission. And I also teach English um, to the people in the neighborhood. French and Malagasy are the spoken languages here, but many of the people want to learn English, and. So I have three different classes, three different levels, beginners, intermediate, and advanced. Uh, The beginners is mostly vocabulary and grammar. Intermediate is conversation. And the advanced is a Bible study. And are people, um, is there a large population of faith over there? I mean, how do you find the climate? There's, um, I think, I think the statistics say 53% Christian, but those statistics are not accurate. Mm. 
Every, all but the Muslims, which is about 7% of the population are Muslim, all of the rest of them will say they're Christians, or at least most of them will. Right. But so many of them are at the same place I was at. They, they know about God. They know about the Trinity, but they don't know God. And for people in that place, people that are listening to this and thinking, yeah, that's me. I know God. I know about the Trinity. I know about Genesis and so forth, but I don't know what she's talking about. What's the difference? The difference is, I think for me, it's being in love with the Lord. It's wanting to do what God wants me to do. Wanting to help others seek him and have a close understanding. Um, I don't know. That's, that's all I, that's the only way I can describe it. No, that's good. And how does that make you feel? Like when you do these things, when you say wanting, so you want to help the Lord, you want to reach others for the Lord, how does it make you feel inside? It makes, it, it makes my heart feel light. Um, when, when I can help someone have a better relationship with God, it's kind of like in the Bible, it talks about when a new, when a new person comes, the angels are, you know, singing hallelujah. That's what I think my heart does. When somebody starts to get it and live their relationship or to have a relationship, it's like my heart starts to flutter. Right. And that's probably like no other feeling in this world. Right. No, it's not. Enough to sustain you for being in Africa over eight years. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, after, you know, a year or two, uh, obviously, if you didn't like it, you'd probably be back home by now. Yes. And, you know, Clark, I had a nervous breakdown my first year here. Tell me about that. And I went back to the States and sought counseling and came back. Yeah. Walk me through that. So you were out there and, and what happened? I, um, I was overwhelmed. I was filling my plate up with too much, trying to do too many things, putting God on the back burner. And I just couldn't handle it. And I know this is probably not what people want to hear, but I attempted suicide. And my mission brought me home to the States. And I went through counseling. And I went through some deep Christian counseling. And when I came back, it was a different world. I saw things in a different light. 
I realized then that reading the Bible every day had to be a part of my life for the rest of my life. I also realized that my brain doesn't produce enough serotonin and I will be on antidepressants the rest of my life. And that's not a bad thing. But prior to the breakdown, I thought it was a bad thing. So I quit taking my medicine. In my head, and I don't know that anybody ever told me it was, in my head, it was taboo to take antidepressants. Not realizing that sometimes it is a medical condition. Right. Um, like I said, that was my first year here, so that's been eight years ago. And I'm, I'm shocked that they actually encouraged you to go back or that they even let you go back. I didn't think it, they would either, but I worked through, I worked hard. I worked through the counseling and I met with the mission again, you know, several times, talked with them over the phone, met with them again, and got to a point where they felt I was healthy enough to go back. Okay. And at that time, my field leader and his wife were home on in the States on furlough and she had got breast cancer, but they were heading back a week after me. So they, um, we, we met in Arizona, we talked and they were so encouraging. And it, so I was going back a week before them, a week or two, and, you know, I wouldn't be the only one on the field with our mission. And she got sick, and they couldn't make it back. And she ended up passing away with um, the cancer. But even though I was still came back to the mission and I was a single missionary for the field um, with our mission. I was the only missionary. It, it was different and it was changed. And how, how, cause it's, it's interesting. It's kind of like you're telling a story where, um, while we know God, you know, while you know God, your uh, the 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 head the head there field person knew, knows the Lord and his wife. It doesn't insulate us from problems. No, and that's one of the things that I have been able to use as a testimony to other missionaries. There will be problems. God never says we'll be without problems. 
Matter of fact, he tells us there will be problems. But if we'll let him, he'll walk with us through them. And he'll never give us more than we can handle. But there is going to be problems. Leaving uh, Western civilization and going to a third world country is not an easy adjustment. And there's spiritual warfare all the time. It's how we deal with that spiritual warfare, whether we succeed or whether we go back, we go home, leave the field. Right. And in the six or seven years since all this happened, you know, have things grown there? Have they gotten better? Um, for me, sure. yes. Yeah, I mean, things have gotten so much better for me. I've got a really good support system. Um, there's a lot of missionaries in Madagascar with different organizations. And they're in the city where I live. Um, we have a group, we call it Sunday Evening Fellowship. And it's all missionaries from different organizations and different countries. And the women that live here, we have Bible studies on a regular basis. And I have found that, yes, you want to, you want to become part of the country you're in and the country you're, you're working in. But you also need the familiarity of, uh, of people who know your culture, too. Right. So with the um, organization, is it uh, you're doing several English classes, correct? Yes. And is it going well over there? Yeah, um, last Wednesday, I had 32 people come for the beginners group. I ran out of chairs. <laughs> it's a good problem to have. Yeah, I, I was so excited. I was like, my office worker, I'm like, Francisca, get the camera. Because... With the government, we have to, every year we have to turn in a report of what we're doing. And they want pictures and diagrams and everything else. So pictures with that group was the perfect timing. <laughs> That's fantastic. And, you know, for those that are listening to this, that are wondering, you know, especially after hearing your story, you know, if they're on the fence, I mean, what would you have to say to them about committing to God? Because it doesn't, you know, listening to you, it doesn't sound easy. You know, it sounds like something that really was a personal sacrifice. Uh, tell people that, you know, might be trying wrestling with this idea of really selling out to God and doing the Lord's will above their own. Um, what would you advise them? What would you say to them? I would say that it's worth all of the work and effort 
and all of the trials because, you know, I know where I'm going when I die. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to be with the Lord. And um, there's nothing like the feeling you get when you know that God is with you. And when God answers the smallest of your prayers, small prayers like, Lord, I need to go to sleep. I've got a big day tomorrow. Please help me go to sleep. And the next thing you know, you're waking up. It can only be God. Yeah. And that happens on a regular basis. Little prayers. God, help me through the traffic today. I just can't deal with three hours sitting in traffic. And the next thing you know, you're home in 45 minutes so from a trip that usually takes three hours. Yeah, that's Those true. are God things. And do you, and you feel like you could, like before, just kind of knowing the basics of uh, Christianity, you feel like you wouldn't be saying those prayers? You feel like you wouldn't know him as well? He wouldn't be as responsive? I don't know. Um... I know one thing, I probably wouldn't be praying the small prayers. I know be, prior to being a Christian, I prayed when someone was sick or if someone was in an accident or something like that. Right. And I prayed for the big prayers. But I never thought of asking God for the little ones. Yeah, like a total reliance. Yeah. Mm. And... So I know that I wouldn't have received the blessing of the little prayers because I wouldn't have been asking them. Yeah, that's good. That's really, really uh, powerful stuff because you are a living uh, testimony by being there today and doing what you're doing. I know a lot of people listening would have given up long ago and uh, it really has to be something supernatural that is keeping you there. I read on your blog, um, you know, like some guy asked for a ride and ended up stealing your wallet or something not too long ago. Yeah. And it's like things like this happen and you still press on. Uh, you had you ran out of chairs in the English class. It was so popular. So things are going Life is still happening and you're still staying there. That's what I'm hearing. Yes. And, you know, I have to say, you you mentioned my blog, but God has blessed me so much financially when I became faithful to him financially that I could afford to replace the phone that the guy stole it didn't mean a meal on my table by the money he stole out of my wallet. Right. Um, I've got enough money to, to do what I need to do without being, you know, having a hit like that. Um, stop me cold. Yeah. 
And I, I think I think that's because I'm faithful to Christ and he showed, I mean, that's the only thing in the Bible that, that we're told that it's okay to test God on, that if we're faithful to him with our money, he'll be faithful to us. And he has been so faithful to me times when I don't know where the money came from. It's there. Yeah. That's really good. That's really good. And for those that are hearing this and want to support you, is there a website they can go to? Yes, you can go to worldventure.com, world, W-O-R-L-D, venture, V-E-N-T-U-R-E.com, and look up Madagascar or Sandra Horn. And there's all the ways for giving, um, streamline giving, commit, committing, or there's also um, for small relational gifts for a friend. Right, forafriend.com. And yes. um, Sandra, is there anything else that you want people to know about your testimony? Um, just that I wouldn't change it for the life of me. I, I can't imagine ever going back to what I had before becoming a Christian. And like I said, it was in, um, I was probably, let's see, 40, almost 40 years old when I became a Christian and I'm excited to live the rest of my life with Christ in my heart. And however long that is. That's encouraging. That's a blessing. I mean, you really um, are completely relying on Jesus. And I, I think people, uh, that hear this will understand that and, um, and be inspired by your story. I really appreciate you taking the time to share it with me. Oh, thank you, Clark. I appreciate, and I really appreciate for a friend. Um, I've right now, I'm looking to find two, some more English Bibles that I've gotten the gift for. Um, and I've told the three young men in my Bible study, my advanced English class, that as soon as I find them, that they're going to be given a gift of a Bible. And they were just so excited to hear that. And I can't, uh, I'm hoping I can find some soon. <laughs> and that's listed as a gift on For a Friend? Yeah, that's one of the relational gifts on my For a Friend is Bibles for the Eng- English Bibles for the English Club students. And. So um, that was one of the gifts that I recently got, and I'm so excited to find them and be able to give them to these guys. Well, we'll, we'll get this recording on your profile, and, and hopefully um, a, a kind-hearted soul or two listening to this will uh, bless you with those Bibles, and, and I certainly thank you for your time, Sandra. 
I thank you for your time and for the organization you've started, and you are a blessing to those of us here on the field. Well, thanks. I, and prayers are the biggest thing that we can ask for on the field, too. That's right. We'll, we'll be praying for you, and, and um, just keep doing what you're doing. You're doing a, a uh, wonderful work over there. Thank you again. Thank you. God bless. Goodbye. Bye-bye. What a journey. What an absolute journey. You heard it come straight from Sandra's mouth. She would not change it for the world. Is there something pulling at you? Is there something that you've been holding back on that you want to do, that you know the Lord wants you to do, but for some reason you just haven't done it yet? You haven't taken that step? Let this testimony be that motivation for you. She's gone through a lot to get where she is today. Easily, 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 easily she could have said, I I don't want to do this anymore. I'm homesick. I miss my old lifestyle. But you don't hear any of that. All you hear is someone that has followed God's will, that's at peace in their life, that is still living with everyday problems like you and I, but is really, really doing something for the Lord. Friend, if you are struggling, pray. Pray right now that God will lead you down the path that he has for you. Pray that you'll accept that calling and that you'll have the courage to see it through. If you have a testimony and you want to share it, you can email me at servantco at gmail.com. That's S-R-V-N-T. C-O at gmail.com. It can be a blessing to others like this one has been uh, for all of us listening. So I encourage you to reach out if you have a testimony to share or feedback or uh, any thoughts or comments. And I thank you for listening. This is Transformation.